0: So if you choose to go the Christian way, then you should also believe in the power of God.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Chad Hawk, and Matt Dowd is not with us today. Matt is on the West Coast, uh, so we miss Matt while he is away, but we know he's doing great things. Today, we are continuing our journey as we explore created to be wise. As you know, we've done created to be wealthy, created to be healthy, and now we're on to created to be wise. And Matt and I both believe that God has made us in such a way that we can find wisdom, we can find um, hope, we can find uh, intelligence and brilliance if we seek him. And one of the things I'm going to... I, I had this idea how can we see ourselves as Americans or North Americans, if you will, Canadians, people who listen to this podcast, what are some of the ways that we can actually see ourselves when it's really hard to hold our, our actions, our behaviors, our mindsets, the things that we do during the day up to a mirror to see it. And as I was praying about this, I had a thought, I can call my friend, my friend, Joseph Opoku, who is, uh, living right now in Virginia beach near the, or or excuse me, no, not in Virginia beach, but in that area. Um, and ask him to give feedback because he is from Ghana originally. And I've known Joseph for many years now. And, uh, I trust his opinion. I think he has a lot of humility and insight and wisdom, which is what we're pursuing. So allow me to introduce my dear friend, Joseph, to you. Joseph, welcome. Thank you for being on Renegade Atlas.
0: Thank you very much. And thank you to everybody listening.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Joseph, why don't you give us a little um, story about how you came to be in the United States? Because it has been a series of ups and downs. You were here working on a degree in molecular biology, correct? Yes. A PhD. You're almost there now.
0: Yes. Yeah. Plant pathology with molecular biology being one of the tools that I use. Yeah.
1: Great. And what year did you first come to Virginia?
0: I think um, it was 2006.
1: Okay. 2006. And we met each other uh, shortly thereafter, right? You had not been in the States very long.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think through the um, Friday Bible study.
1: Group. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We met um, uh, kind of an interesting story. Uh, it w- we would go to a Bible study that was taught by uh, a federal court judge, Wal Kriegler, and Joseph was brought by Chuck Cole, who had had him sit at our table, and we had a we just struck up a conversation, and we've been friends ever since. And um, you came here to work on a master's degree, correct? Yes. In the same field.
0: Yes, so um, my background is actually um, in crop size agriculture, because I believe in feeding the world. I've experienced hunger before. So (laughs) growing up, um, my interest has been um, to feed the world. Now, (laughs) what you just
1: said right there, is something that a lot of Americans cannot relate to. Mm -hmm. When you say you grew up hungry, you mean that?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I've been hungry before.
1: (laughs) Yes, I know you have. And in that journey, when you got here to the United States, um, it was a big shock to you, wasn't it?
0: Yes, when it comes to food, uh, it was really a big shock. Because, um I remember I had a roommate who worked at one of the restaurants, and my roommate would come home and tell me they threw threw away all the food that was left over for the night. I'm like they threw away like into the garbage, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm like, "What? How could you do that?" Yeah, food is an essential component of life and from where i come from i mean with regards to my background if you are interested in stories i can tell you stories but yeah i know i know how you we manage food i mean you keep food you save food for for the future you
1: know well i'm gonna interrupt you for just a moment and it turns out matt dowd has joined the show welcome matt we're glad you're on hey thanks um, Sorry I was late. <laughs> it's all right I thought I didn't think you were gonna make it but I'm glad yeah. you're here so um, I want to tell a quick story about Joseph and it has to do with um, going to a restaurant we went to Chipotle and uh, you know the burritos are much oversized more than a person should really eat in one sitting right then and, and he sits down and he eats half of it and I knew you were hungry mm-hmm. I knew you were Hungry. I knew you were genuinely hungry. You wanted food. You only ate a little bit of your burrito. And And
0: I saved the rest. (laughs) Pardon me? And I saved the rest.
1: You saved it. Yeah. Because you wanted to parse it out for the rest of the week.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was enough for at least a dinner. So. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it was. Yeah. And
1: there, there's been times when, um, when we first knew each other, that you were very cautious about choosing to get food or eat food, and right there is a huge cultural difference compared to most of the world. Most of the world lives in some form of poverty, and you you were th- what was it like coming to a culture where that was just very different
0: so i think probably this is a good time to tell a little bit about my background see i was the first of seven children and my father was a firefighter and my mom was a nurse so looking at our social setting we were really good to go but the problem was that my father because he was a firefighter he had to take care of most of the other family members like their children and some lived with us so um, in a in a two-bedroom apartment, we were numbering up to about twelve, sometimes thirteen people living in 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 one um, two-bedroom apartment. So the number of people is what really caused us to go through a lot of financial stress.
1: Because and your family was providing for all. I mean, you had a meager yeah. income. It was enough to get by if it were just two or three of you.
0: Oh, two or three would have been perfect. It would have been awesome no problems but because we were seven and about three four five family members come in and out you know and my father taking care of other people um it put a lot of stress and we were all in school and that added to to the stress because he had to pay for tuition for everybody so um it got to a a point or a time that food was um scarce if I should use that word. <laughs> Food was scarce. So sometimes we 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 just we just have to wake up early in the morning, do a quiet time morning devotion, pray to God as a family for God to provide um, for the day because there was nothing in the house. And by the close of the day we would have somebody come in and say, hey I came over to this place and I have this bag of rice plantains and, um, I mean, food, stuff that can, you can put together to, to cook, you know. So that really helped us, you know, because it increased our faith in the Lord, that he is a provider, not just a loving God, he provides, you know. So growing up, like I will be at, in the university, like three of us will be at the university together, like we will be students, three of us at the university, college It it was really hard, you know, Right. really really hard. So you get food, and surprisingly, there were other people who were more broke than (laughs) we were, if I can say that. So the little money that I have for food, I would have to, like someone would come hey, can you give me money for food? I'm like, this is all I have. Why don't we buy food and we all eat together? Because that's all I've got. For the entire semester, if nothing comes in, then we will buy food, we we'll eat the next day, God will provide. And so that's how we, we, we lived, you know, each day at a time and God providing um, at each instance. So food used to be scarce when it, it, it came to how I lived my childhood uh, life. So it was quite a shock when I came here, and people were throwing away food. I'm like, "No, no, no, don't do that because <laughs> this could help quite a number of people um, who who are hungry, but the system over here is quite different uh, compared to what we had back home, you know so yeah hunger hunger is real, I've experienced it. So going into agriculture, I was quite determined to help contribute um, in, a, in a small way to help to feed the world. That is why molecular biology became quite a necessity along the line that I get into molecular biology, not just human research, but um, research into plants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, now that you've been in the States, well, you've been here continuously since what year now? At 2011. Okay, so you've been here a long time now. You've got nine years under your belt straight through, plus before that you had your few years here where we met. Um, Since that time, what, um, let me ask you this, what cultural things have been the most challenging or difficult for you to adapt to?
0: Hmm.
1: And then what have been some that you've really enjoyed and embraced?
0: Yeah. Hmm, there, there there've been a lot, you know, America is really diverse. Let me start from that place. Depending on where you live, you would have probably a different understanding of how the system works. I have lived in Vinton, uh, Virginia. I've lived in um, Silver Spring, Maryland. I've lived in Suffolk, right now where I am. I've lived in quite a, a number of places and Everywhere you go, the kind of people you find in your neighbourhood will dictate how you live your life. You know. So um, there are so many good things about American culture. Um, one thing that I've seen is that when there is an emergency, people throng in, I mean come in to help, that I find it to be very um, fascinating, like if there, there is a flood here you find people traveling all the way from California to come and contribute in, in their own small way to help rescue people and all that. That is really um, fantastic. And, that that
1: um, is, I'm, I'm gonna say that is very much um, a, a thing that is common in the United States. Yeah. Uh, people are more than willing to help in
0: tragedy. Yeah. And yeah, but the only, Other thing that I I found as a shock is that, you know, back home, when you're leaving your home to any place, you have to be ready to meet people you don't know, to greet people, to have a, a chat like, hey, how are you doing? And it's not like the American way of saying, how are you doing? You know, this is for real, like the person has to talk to you and you'll be surprised they will start sharing their problems with you, people you don't really know. But the fact that you talk to them, they are going to open up and tell you all their problems. (laughs) But in America, no. If somebody even asks you, how are you doing, he expects you to move on. Just just say, cool, great, and just move on. He's not expecting you to stand and have a conversation. You know, in most instances, yeah, they expect you to just keep going. So that was quite a shock. I mean, coming from an environment, uh, um, uh, the culture where everybody talks to everybody, you should know your neighbors. That is how it works back home. You have to know them. So that I can tell can- you
1: this: It one time, it once it took me an hour and a half to walk one block in Ghana because everybody wanted to talk to me. Yes. You have to ask about everyone's family, how everyone is doing. And I thought, I'm never going to reach the end of this block. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is why Africans are always late. <laughs> <laughs> we are not all Africans, now things have changed, but mostly that is the reason. You can leave your home an hour early, depending on the route you take, you may have to stop. Couple of times, and you, you you can't just wave at somebody and say, "Oh, I'm busy." The person might take offense.
1: So that's something that's vastly different here is the transportation system. How was that? Was that a shock for you? Oh, by the way, I know where you learned to drive a vehicle.
2: <laughs>
1: Ta da!
0: <Charlotte. laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so transportation is vastly different. That had to be a major shock. we were not hopping onto trotros and and uh, buses, you know, packing in tight. Um, you you can move around freely here and that's hard to do in Ghana.
0: One of the main things I told my family back home um, due to this virus, um, coronavirus issue, is that please stay away from the trotros. Yeah yeah because it's it's crowded it's really crowded and when somebody sneezes at the back there's no nothing you can do about it you, you
1: yeah
0: to it in. So, a a
1: tro tro just so we could explain this to everybody it's like a, a, a small van that about eighteen to twenty people pile into and they pay a small fee to get to where they're going
0: yeah 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 i mean it's the the less expensive way to to move around and right people don't own now things are changing, but um only a few people owned cars when I was back home. Right. so almost everybody travels um uh, by that means so it's, it's, it's a way let let's shift
1: gears just a little bit and talk about um the spiritual walk. That people have here because I know that's been something that you've been exposed to probably in a positive and a negative way um, maybe you can share some insight on that and that can give us a reflection on areas where we can work on developing wisdom
0: hey, this is very interesting I mean there are so many ways um, to look at this topic the first would be how People see God. Back home, the, the main religion is Christianity, about 67%. At least those who profess to be Christians are around 67, and Muslims are around 18 to 20%. And our traditional believers are around 7 to 9%. That is what we, we, we have at the moment. And, you know, so almost everybody believes in something almost everybody believes that there is God. Um, So the difference would be uh, Christians saying that Jesus is the only way, and Muslims also saying they have to uh, believe in or pray through Muhammad or something like that. So that is the only difference. Over here, and of course, I have to emphasize that we believe in the power of God more we concentrate on the power aspect of God being able to provide a miracle working God aspect of Christianity. Um, things are changing, of course, people are getting exposed to so many things. And the cultural background to that kind of belief system is that in our history, we, we used to believe in our traditional priests who are seen as uh, as miracle workers, like they can perform wonders and they demonstrate their powers you know it's just like what happens happened in the bible where the israelites and the uh, egyptians uh, came into contact moses wanted to move the people of israel from egypt and their gods will perform miracle god will perform a miracle and the egyptian um gods will also perform their miracles and ten stick into snake and all that That kind of demonstration of power, you know. Africa has a lot of that going on. So if you choose to go the Christian way, then you should also believe in the power of God. So it's more about the power of God to defeat um, the powers of the evil world, so to speak. And also God being a provider, you know, God being a provider. But when you come to America, it's more about God as a loving God. You know, we, we love God, you know, because He is a loving God. And it's more about God is a merciful God, God is a loving God, God is a kind God, you know. So um, we see the worship over here to be quite solemn, you know, just be calm and wait on the Lord, you know. Yeah. Back home is more like express the power of God, you know. When you speak, it has to be done, you know demonstrate the authority of God. You are a child of God, and you possess all the power that there is. So uh, that is um, one of uh, the few things that I I see here. So if anybody from a charismatic African church comes here and finds an Orthodox, like a Baptist, Southern Baptist, Baptist church, uh, the person might enjoy it a little bit because the person uh, the preacher will be talking about they will they will always start with a story you know talk about something that increases people's faith in the lord and all that by the end of the day the person will feel there was there's there's still something lacking you know they want fire fire
1: <laughs> that's so true that is so true yeah. one of the most uh powerful experiences I think I've ever had was a night worship at New Creation Baptist Church in Kofridwa, where we had worked all day. We saw thousands of people, you and I together, right, Yes. assisting. And that little tiny church was packed. It wasn't even completed. You know, there was concrete floors, no windows, chickens and goats walking through. Am I right?
0: Yeah, I remember. I think we have we have a video of <laughs> some of the chicken coming in. <laughs> yeah. <for our>
1: <laughs> and and the, God's yeah. presence was so powerful, and that was something I had never been exposed to in that way ever in my life. And I think you're hitting on something here. And Matt, I think you totally agree with this: is that what Joseph is describing the God's power and His mercy, God's uh, grace and His. Um, omnipotence and 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 the force of a all-powerful god those things for the full picture of him those are things we need to really incorporate
2: yeah yeah absolutely i i definitely think it's like you're saying joseph lacking by and large here in america i mean it's just not something that we're used to even talking about or experiencing for sure you know it's it's different it's 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 needed though i mean i think it could be a huge explanation for why the things are going the way they're going right now, you know, in our culture. This is kind of a power gap.
0: That is very true, because as Christians, we need to demonstrate the power of God, because that's what the world believes in. That's what the world wants to see. Right. Demonstration of the power of God, even in times like this. Yes. You know, people feel that um, declaring your faith in times like this is not what is needed to kill coronavirus.
2: (laughs) Right. Like a scientific solution.
0: (laughs) Yes, that is what. But, you know, science is a continuous process of investigation and experimentation in order to widen people's understanding of the natural world. Okay, that's the simplest definition of science yeah like the idea of nature and it means that everything is already there and discovery is removing the cover so Mm -hmm. that you discover The, the, the thing is there you're just taking off the cover, so that you discover it you know the solution is already there with us we need just the mind of god we need the direction of god to find it so it doesn't necessarily mean god is going to take uh, viruses from everybody's blood but he's all-knowing he knows where the solution is and he gives us wisdom you know to operate yeah so,
2: so it's not that the, not that the two are even mutually exclusive right like yeah so they they work, together. work together yeah yeah
0: they work together and of course there are instances that we can pray for healing and the Person will be healed instantly, the virus will run away, the virus will go. Mm-hmm. And you see, scientifically, irrespective of how people interpret faith, it still boils down to the fact that miracles happen. Somebody would say, You got healed because you, you, you trusted, you, you tuned your mind into something powerful working through you. And mm-hmm. because of that, you know your body began to respond and you became better Mm -hmm. so it's more about faith in your body doing great than god empowering you that's why some scientists don't believe in god but they encourage people of faith to pray when they are sick because they feel you are psychologically um, positioning yourself at a position of strength that your body you don't give up because there's a supernatural help um supporting you to get here. It's just like a placebo. They see it to be a placebo, you know. Yeah. I don't know how you say it, but we will say placebo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The power of the how,
2: thinking, that type of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that is how most most um doctors, some doctors who do not have faith would see it. They can still encourage you, you know, to go that way because they feel it's like a placebo that There's no power in it, but because you believe in it, it's going to work for you.
2: Yeah. It's interesting how that's, it's kind of a parallel to like Romans 12, where it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's like thinking a different way, just not attributing it to God. Uh, You see? (laughs) Same principle though, really, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, excellent. That is a very excellent quotation you just um, brought out. See, so uh, it's scriptural. It's scriptural. And yeah. it's all based on faith that you, you believe something that is not to be present, you know. So um that is one aspect of our culture that um is lacking right here mm-hmm. over here. You can hear somebody praying for healing, but still do not it's I mean they're already they've psyched themselves that it's not gonna be well.
2: Yeah. But mm-hmm. they
0: still pray for healing you know so that in my culture is like it's either you believe in the healing power of prayer or you concentrate on taking your medication (laughs) yeah only a few people will 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 take the medication and and, Mm -hmm. and still pray but one thing i also have to put here is that if People go to a preacher, so called preacher or a prophet who is not really from God, who is only there to take their money, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: then the the problem is going to get worse because he himself does not believe in what he's doing. And that is what brings shame to um, the Christendom, you know, because the people watching from outside want to see that power demonstrated. But the person operating is a fake prophet or fake pastor. So there is no power in in the words that they speak or in in what they do.
2: Yeah. And for that reason, yeah.
0: people go there and do not get the solutions they want and they start blaming the church, blaming the, uh, the people who are involved in um expressing their faith in that perspective. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um it's it's really um a thin line, you know. How you can walk by faith in my part of the world and still, you know, keep your faith active. Because I see so many reportage about fake pastors, you know, instead of giving people medication, telling people to go for medication, you know, they just pray for them and take your monies and those people die. You know, it's being in the news and everybody will be devastated.
1: So let me interrupt you.
2: Here or,
0: have,
1: you go right. ahead,
0: Matt.
2: No, no, I was just going to clarify if, if what you're talking about was here in the States or in Ghana? In Ghana. In Ghana, okay,
0: okay. Yeah, in, in, a, in the States, uh, most people believe in medicine. Uh-huh. Most people, yeah. irrespective of who they are, you know, and that is absolutely right. In Ghana too, of course, me, when I was in Ghana, when I was sick, I would go to the hospital, I would go get my medication, I would pray. Right. Yeah, right. I'll still pray. You know, I'll call my family together. Please, I think I need prayers. After yeah. prayer, I get back on my feet. I know I'm healed. You know, and I keep going. Yeah. You know, because that is how it's supposed to happen. So there are extreme cases in every um, society. Over here, people are extra dependent on medicine, and when they say there's no cure, then they start freaking out. When they hear, there is no cure for anything, they start freaking out, you know? So, As we've
1: so, seen. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Joseph, have you seen a miracle?
0: A lot. <laughs> Just being able to sit here and talk is a miracle. Okay. And from your practice, I think you know, your time in Ghana, I think I saw several miracles happen some of them i i'm a man of faith but i was still at you i was i was completely taken aback about how god can work through his children to bring uh, total liberation to his uh, his children
1: does anything ever stand out in your mind of a certain circumstance or a time when you've seen it happen because people you know during a time like this they may need to hear a story of healing and redemption.
0: Mm. okay so let's start from your practice in ghana i remember um you were once in ghana and i normally give the health talk yes. you know i talk to people about what goes on what chiropractic um practice is all about and you know what you need to do after you get uh, uh un- adjusted you know, an adjustment after an adjustment. What you need to do: drink water, and you know. So I remember once I was giving the talk, and I saw an ambulance park uh, behind the conference center. <laughs> so I was, I was like, "What's going on?" I was confused because first of all, you you and the other doctors were at the back there working on people, and I was right. giving the talk. So I didn't know what had happened over there, whether there was an issue with somebody at the back there, you broke somebody's (laughs) bone, or like, what happened? (laughs) So I was confused, but I was still determined to go on. And all of a sudden, I saw somebody being carried on a stretcher, stretcher to, to the place. The first thing that came to my mind was like, no, what are you doing over here? This is not an emergency <laughs> ward. <What? laughs> Ambulance, somebody on the stretcher, take him straight to the hospital. We don't want any problems here with anybody. But they kept coming. So I, I rushed to talk to him. I'm like, what's the plan? He says, hey, he, this guy needs help. And he feels that coming to this place will be a, the best uh, alternative he was going to be taken to the 37 military hospital from Ophiria. So it was going to take about an hour and a half also so to, to get there. So since we were closer, he was like, let's pass. They should pass through our end first before they go. Because a lot of people have given testimonies, you know, even on radio and so many other places. So he wanted to check on us first. So I ran to Dr. Pe- Chad. And I was like, um, there is an issue, <laughs> um, somebody is on the stretcher, I, 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 I don't know if this is what you do, should I let them go? And Dr. Chad goes, no, let him in, let him come. Mm-hmm. Oh God, okay, I was like, okay. So I asked them, please, you can move ahead, go and see Dr. Chad. When they came, I think they came with their x-ray, I remember. And you took the x ray, and your first comment was like, they should never have operated this guy. Huh? I'm like. he had, had two
1: operations in the Netherlands. Yeah. He was paralyzed.
0: <laughs> huh? Okay. I'm like, okay, this comment shows that Dr. Chad knows what he's about to do. So I will just pray in my head and just go back and give my talk as if nothing is going on. Don't create panic. Just keep praying and just focus on your duty. So that's what I went to do. After a few minutes, I heard people screaming at the back there. I'm like, and it wasn't this, like people screaming out of pain, but they were happy. Like it was a joyous scream. I know how happy Ghanaians scream.
1: Yeah, I do too.
0: <laughs> so I quickly rushed to the place and I saw. This man who was screaming out of pain, now who's trying to walk like somebody holding his hand, and he was tiptoeing and walk trying to walk by himself. In fact, that day I was mesmerized. I, 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 I could not believe it because his senior pastor was also there. His senior right. pastor was there. He is very popular in. Um, uh in ghana in the house of prayer i think that's the name of their church the house of prayer i think that is the the name of the church he came around and he talked about the fact that 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 young man was also a a pastor associate pastor or something like that in fact that day was the day that i believed not just in chiropractic but in the power of of god you know healing people because i know that is the basis of your practice you know yeah, oh, that is the basis. Okay. And
1: there's, there's
0: you would travel from America to Ghana, it's, it's about God.
1: So I think what the really important thing is that we're this is a great bridge between going from created to be healthy, to created to be wise, because what we're doing here is showing that wisdom is this um, umbrella almost that covers everything. That's how we should conduct and comport ourselves in our life. How we both relate to God as a father, God as um, all the creative power of the universe, God as um, our provider, all of these things, and how we relate to each other. Wisdom that's given by the Lord when we press into him is how that connection point works, that covering that we have. Wisdom is that. Yes. Yes. And just as a follow-up, to, he did leave walking. Um, he had been paralyzed for, I believe, I'm going off of memory here. I believe it was five years. I could yeah. be wrong. It could four, be three.
0: I remember four to five years too. Yeah.
1: And he had been to the Netherlands twice, flown there twice for surgeries. But his family had tried to kill him because yeah, he, converted he, was for being, yes. he was Muslim yes. and he became yes. a Christian. And uh, they killed, they tried to kill him. They left him for dead. They thought he was dead and he was found three days later. But now he walks and his whole life was given back to him. And that was God's work. Yeah, that was a miracle.
0: Yeah, I totally believe in that. And miracles, yeah. So this is um, a miracle with regards to healing, you know, and there are so many other miracles um, that happens. Like, for example, the first time I came to America, you know, You see, a hungry person who had not even paid his tuition back home. I had not paid my tuition in 2006. There was no money. I had paid part of it, and I was trusting God to pay the rest. I remember it was a vacation. I went back home, and I was then. I could feel God telling me that my, my supervisor was looking for me. And I thought it was a proposal that I was developing that he needed it immediately. So I spoke to my mom and was like, Hey, it's just an hour drive from here. Just go go and talk to your boss if you feel God is telling you to go and see him. When I got to campus, everybody was like, OJ, OJ is Opoku Joseph. Doctor, should I mention names or I should? <laughs> you could say anything you like that you're oh, okay. comfortable with. Prof, affair is looking for you. He is really looking for you. I'm like, God already told me this. So I knew there was a problem. So I went around, finished with the proposal. When I got to his office, was like, hey, if you could write a proposal to, and apply for this scholarship, you're gonna get it. I think you, you are smart enough to get it. And I'm like, how many days do we have? He says, five days. Tell you the truth, what is the topic? Like, I asked, what, what is the topic? He said, no topic, come with a topic. And this is where I bring God into the equation. When he told me that I knew in my spirit that God was just taking me to a different aspect of life. We prayed for three days, we had not found the topic until the two days to the time, then God gave us the direction, like me the direction, where to go with my friends. Um, then we we came up with the topic. When we submitted it, of course, I um, mean, it was open to all African students. So um, I knew in my spirit that God had, was going to make a way. I cut the long story short. I was at that time, the Graduate Christian uh, Fellowship President So, of the uh, of University of Ghana. I was the Graduate Christian uh, Students Fellowship President. So we, were, we normally go for SITE. SITE is just evangelism. And yeah, to the villages, go to the villages, talk about the word, talk about Christ, you know, and help in teaching them, help with all the things that the village needs, you know, and come back. Just uh, the night before, God told me I was supposed to go because I wasn't planning on going. I was waiting for the response from the scholarship application. And when I became, I, I was like, you know what, God is the provider. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go. If he's the God who provides, he will provide for me. And he's going to select me out of the number of applications that were sent. So I went to the village. For two weeks, there's no light over there. Mokwa in the central region at that time did not really have electricity. We preached the word of God. We, We taught in their schools for two weeks. And I could feel in my spirit that God had rewarded me when i got back the day that i got back i ran to the internet cafe checked my email and it was the exact date that we left that i received the scholarship Mm. that was the beginning of a new life for me and now everything you know just followed like that you know i got a scholarship came to uva whatever i did was successful went back home and a whole list of things. So when it comes to uh, miracles, it could be healing, it could be daily provisions, you know, like uh, as I told you before, that we will be together as a family, no food for the day, gather, pray, and within some few hours, somebody shows up at our doorstep with food stuff that we can cook to eat. That is instant instant miracle somebody we were not expecting as a family or drop by and will praise God that day play music dance and glorify God you know God is real that is what the world has to know that irrespective of what we go through we should we should know that there's somebody who cares cares about us who knows our name and who has a purpose for our lives and we need the wisdom His wisdom to operate in the direction he wants us to go.
1: Amen to that. I want to thank you, Joseph, for taking time out of your of finishing up your dissertation uh, before you get your PhD for uh, you know time with us on Renegade Atlas. And ooh, I do want to say ooh. that Joseph, your family is truly a, a remarkable family. I've had the pleasure of knowing your entire family, and they are very near and dear people to me. And we just want you to know that you are loved, and uh, maybe someday we can have you back on the show when, when we can call you Dr. Poku.